All right, so we have here Dr. Christopher Phelps, and we are, where are we, Chris? We are in my Mecca, uh, my Graceland, uh, called Napa Valley. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you just got off speaking right now at the making of a dental startup retreat, and talk to me a little bit about how many wineries did you sign <laughs> up to when you first came? Yeah, Napa's special to me because, uh, you know, my sister had been coming out here for several years and invited me and my wife to go for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what to expect. And, uh, you know, my sister and her husband, growing up in my lifetime, I knew they liked to party. So who better to have a good time with? And so I trusted her for the schedule. And she signs us up for 12 wineries over a three-day period. Now, notice we're doing one winery today, right? So this is doing four wineries a day, three days in a row. And when you do a wine tasting, I discovered they put four glasses of wine out in front of you. And instead of just a splash of wine, it was like a full glass. Now, my wife was smart. She had the self-control. She would take her sip and then pour the rest out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And as I mentioned in our talk, you know, I have a strict no wine left behind policy. So if yeah. you put it in front of me, it's going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So four glasses of wine, four winers a day, you can do the math on that. So it was quite the experience. And of course, you know, the wineries want you to enjoy the free wine, the cheese, the experience. And of course, they were hoping you will reciprocate and buy some wine or join their wine club. And I was like, oh, wine club. What a great idea. What yeah, is that? Yeah. Not really realizing it, I signed up for 10 of the 12 wineries in their wine club uh, that weekend. And, you know, the old adage is, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I'll tell you, the adage with Napa now is whatever happens in Napa follows your butt home every month. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally crates of wine kept showing up to my house, like hundreds of bottles. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, what am I going to do with all this? But I like what you, so all this stuff would come, obviously you didn't like drink it immediately, right? Or anything like that. Right. What'd you do with it? So I, you know, it was kind of the perfect storm because I paid for all this out of personal income. And I'm thinking, how can I make my habit a business expense, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or my interest, my, mm-hmm. my hobby. And that was right at the time I got this opportunity to do an educational seminar at uh, a local retirement community. And it was uh, one of my target audiences because it was 3,500 homes of 55 and older retirees, independent so they could come and go as they please. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not nursing home, not assisted living. That's who I wanted to get in front of. And, but I was like, but nobody wants to come here at dental talk. So. I need something. I need some kind of hook that's going to get them in the door. And that's when it kind of hit me. I kept thinking, trying to put myself in their shoes. I thought, well, maybe some of these people would enjoy going to Napa Valley or enjoy Napa wines, but they don't want to go or they can't get out. So I thought, well, what if I bring Napa to them? What if I turn my my habit, right, my hobby, (laughs) my passion here into a business expense now? So that was my hook. I said, uh, you can't get to Napa. I'm going to bring Napa to you. It was kind of my advertisement in their local magazine in the community. And I said, join me for a, a dental talk on the top five dental issues affecting the aging population and enjoy some of Napa's finest wines on me. Not realizing if anybody would show, would anybody care? And I show up for this first event and lo and behold, we got 60 people in the room. So seniors. Was, seniors. Retirees. Okay. And they were enjoyed uh, every drop that I brought. Wow. Okay. So I like that. So you talk to us because we get that question a lot. You know how we talk about ground marketing, yep. things like that, but they're like, what, okay, I have an event set up at a senior home. What do I talk about, right? Yes. And honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. All I've ever done is just like a Q&A, right? Like, okay, well, mm-hmm. we, we just start talking and stuff. But you come with like heavy things. Like, yeah. So what are some things that we can be talking about to them? Well, so I kind of broke this talk down into three different sections, mm-hmm. right? And so the first part of any presentation I give is always going to be the promotional piece. So you don't want to save the promotional piece for the end. So you don't want people leaving thinking that they were sold. I want them to leave feeling like they were educated and had a good experience. Mm -hmm. So we put the promotional stuff on the front end, right? So 
that's all about here's who we are, here's why we're different, kind of what differentiated us from other dental practices in the area. Yeah. Uh, in our world, and then since that time, like I was one of the few doctors in Charlotte that actually did sedation dentistry, okay, and general dentistry under sedation. My colleagues, the majority, 90% or more, did not do that. So that's a differentiator kind of thing. Uh, we had an anesthesiologist that came to the practice and did general sedation and IV. So we did every level. So just kind of highlighting things like that. That's where I promoted the membership plan, right? Because oh, yeah, I knew yeah. they, none of them had insurance. Well, hey, I got something for you. The middle third was always the, uh, the, the topic that uh, I've done with several retirees that seems to get their attention. And it was all about how sugar and acids are affecting their teeth, how the mind-body connection or the mouth-body connection, you know, the mouth is the gateway to the body. So, you know, I would show them like simple little things like I'd have like a display and I'd have uh, different bottled waters that they may, may buy at the local grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I have a little card that was covered up and then I'd do this big reveal where I would take off the cover of the card and you would see the, the pH of it. Mm-hmm. And then I would show them soft drinks that were laid out and then I would take the card off and show them how much sugar was in that thing. And then they'd get really surprised when they saw stuff like um, vitamin water and it had one of the most acidic pHs and it had eight teaspoons of sugar in it something they thought was healthy is actually hurting them. Yeah. Right. And just how sugar and acids, the teeth weren't designed for that. And now it's in everything you eat and drink. And so that really, when they, and they resonate with their bottled waters and they're like, holy crap, you know I mean? This Dasani I've been drinking is a pH of three. Water's supposed to be neutral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something about the filtration process that it makes it acidic, right? See, and even though it's, it's, I dilute acid, okay? Still compound that if they're sipping on that all day, it's going to cause erosion and those kind of things. So it was really focused on that and a real good visual display of sugar and acid. So people really were like shocked. And then I told them, look, it's not like you're not going to drink water, but here, hey, Fiji, for instance, okay? Yeah. This is like, uh, you know, uh, what was the pH of Fiji? It was like 7.6. Okay. Right? That's where we want to be. Aquafina is a pH of 5. Okay, at least we're getting better. Hey, these Icelandic water, now they're, more companies are picking up that they need to add sodium bicarbonate back into the bottle. And you'll see that as one of the ingredients. Meaning that's how they get the pH up. And they're, they're putting it back okay. in there, okay? Yeah. Because they know the consumers, we're, we're now in this world of uh, patients are, and potential patients are having a holistic-ish mindset. Mm. They wanted to do some little things to feel like they're healthy and their overall body health. So that's one of the things that I've picked up patients are turning their focus on. Well, if I could be healthy with the stuff I'm drinking, even better than I'm into that kind of thing. Yeah. So the people really resonated to the sugar and acid talk. And then I would do the last third of the presentation would be what I rotated. So each time it'd be something different. So it was, in essence, what did I want to promote that time? So it might have been tooth whitening. So I'd say, here's what the truth, the facts are about over the counter versus what we do in our office, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the differences. Uh, another time it might be on dental implants. Another time it might be on uh, sleep apnea and sleep uh, options. So, you know, each time maybe a cosmetic one. So just that's what I rotated each time. So that by the time people left, again, they felt educated and they felt, well, they were pretty buzzed. They felt good. <laughs> <laughs> also, the whole time, from the beginning, you're there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They're, they're drinking wine through the whole thing. Right? Okay. And fun. That was, was like at the end or something. No, 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 no. They're, they're coming in and that's the first table they go to, right? It's, yeah. It's to fill up. And one time I remember I kept, yeah, I kept doing this once a month and I kept seeing like, I mean, I got a buttload of patients from it. Almost everybody came in. Yeah. Because they wanted the membership plan and whatnot. But I kept noticing my existing patients now coming to the same talk. And I remember talking to one lady, she'd been to five in a row and she was, had come from the very first one had been my patient. And I was like, Mrs. Jones, what are you doing here? Right? Like, this has got to be getting old. It's the same presentation every time. And she's like, no, she kind of tips her head back, drinks her wine. She's like, I love coming here. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, 
that's when I knew the more you do these things, it turns into the social event of the community that everybody wants to be a part of. Because, uh, you know, they're there, they're talking. They're drinking. Yeah, they're right. having a good time. They're interacting. So wine. It's, it's been good to me. It's been good to me. <laughs> that's good, man. That's, that's really interesting. You mentioned in the presentation, that one single presentation you do, the cosmetic implants and stuff, or no, like one... That's all in the same presentation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you ever see like uh, them take favor to more like, oh, wait, they're talking about talking about implants. Yeah. I, I didn't really promote it on the front end. What, which one I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in hindsight, looking back, that's probably what I should have done. So at least give them a heads up of what they're getting into. Cause then I might've got more people who needed an implant in mm-hmm. the crowd kind of thing. Um, but no, I, you know, really it didn't. Um, the middle piece, the sugar and acids was kind of my, I knew no matter what they came in thinking they knew. Nobody yeah. understood this. And that would be the thing that left them impressed, right? And then, of course, just by the fact that I was on in front of them and speaking and providing this nugget of knowledge, when they think of a dentist moving forward, who are they going to think about? When they pick up that bottle of water and they go, oh, who are they going to think about? That's true. That's what I wanted. Yeah, right? yeah. And they'll tell their, like, their friends or their grandkids or whoever, right? They're like, yes. So, like, how many, I guess, would you say, like, senior locations did you go to where they said yes? And then how many... How did you handle no's, if anybody ever said no? Yeah, so the big thing with these communities is that you'll see it as soon as you walk up to the, any of them, there's a big sign that says no soliciting. <laughs> so what they don't want is somebody coming to sell people stuff, right? So in essence, that's what I was there to do. So I'm trying to sell them an appointment. Yeah. And then a membership plan and whatever, right? But you can't come at them under that guise. So I always came at them as an, with an education for, forefront, right? That's <laughs> why the top five dental issues, right? We're here to educate. And again, I didn't ask anyone to make an appointment that night. Now, I had it available. If they came up to us and asked, I didn't ask anybody to buy a membership plan. But if they had the brochure, right, in front of them, they had an application that I that I'd included in yeah. their little gift bag of stuff they left with. So, you know, I had all the tools were there. It was implied. It was possible. But it, it, because I never straight up asked for anybody to buy anything, uh-huh. I'm educating, not soliciting. So that's the big thing right there. If they think you're there to actually sell people stuff, you, they're going to close the door right in your face. But hey, from an education standpoint, now the door can be open. They say like, come in. Now they're ready. And you usually attack, like usually what I would do is target, all these communities have a nurse, right? They have somebody involved with the, to screen them or check in with their health and feed them up the chain to somewhere else, right? So I would look for, you know, who's the biggest community organizer and or if there's a nurse on site, that's the person I'm targeting because they're going to get it. They, you know, if somebody's in charge of creating activities for the community, they need ideas on how to create opportunities and activities. So I can, I've got an activity for you. Yeah. And we can bring a lot of people. Those are the ones that are, it's going to be, they're going to lend you the best year, right? Versus somebody at the random front desk is going to be like, or on the telephone, who is this? No, no, we're, sounds like you're trying to sell something. No, thanks. Click. Yeah. So you got to find out who that person is directly and you got to get in front of them. So I went to the community, made an appointment to meet them and talk with them and just let them know, you know, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want to talk about and focus to, you know, the oral but systemic health connection. It was usually my mantra, the mind, body, you know, the mouth is the gateway to the body. And almost every time it got me through the door. Okay. That's good, man. So then how did you like when you're talking to the seniors, how did you transition into your membership plan? Well, that all came at the very beginning, as I said. So the, what, the membership plan came about at the, after that first talk when I did initial survey, because it's always good to market research, right? Survey your crowd what's their mindset at right now was really what I was looking for. And the question I asked the crowd before I got started, I said, well, I'm just curious, no judgment, but 
how many of you have been to the dentist in the last year for anything? Yeah. I'm just curious. And only 10 of the 60 people raised their hand. And I was like, oh, gee. In my head, I'm thinking, that ain't good. Well, how many of you have dental insurance? Well, not shockingly, the 10 people who had been to the dentist raised their hand. Hmm. And then it hit me. I was like, oh, it's the barrier, man. That's what the mindset that's keeping these people out. And I said, well, how many of you would have gone to the dentist had you had dental insurance? Mm-hmm. And the other 50 raised their hand. And I was like, problem needs solution, right? So they think because they lost it when they retired and they're on a fixed budget that they can't afford it. And if they, that therefore, they don't buy it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't buy it and they don't have it, they think they're so conditioned to think I can only go to the dentist if I have insurance. But now they don't have it, they don't come unless it hurts or they're in pain. So if yeah. I could give them something that and satisfy that mindset barrier that I'd get to give them the sense that they have insurance, then my theory was I'd get them in the door. And that's when I came up with the membership plan. And then I presented that literally at the next event. It was how many of you have been to the dentist for any reason? How many of you have insurance? Well, great. For those of you who have insurance, we got something for you. For the rest of you that don't, let me show you this. Mm-hmm. This is what sets us apart. We offer a membership plan for people without insurance. Yeah, why well, pay 700 bucks for your own dental insurance policy? which is what they would cost them to buy it on their own, when ours is only three sixty five, Who has a dollar a day? Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. So well, the dollar a day, you can give back on the path to better oral health, and we can help. And then you move on. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That's and then it. people are like, where do I sign up? Or Yeah, well, they are, they've got, we've got gift bags at everybody's station, mm-hmm. and it, the stuff's in there. All they got to do is go, here it is. The information's right here. Yeah. Right? Oh, there's an application page. So literally, so what happened was this, right? So the second barrier you run into is, so I knew with the wine and cheese, that's reciprocity. Right? We've <laughs> talked about the principles in the past, right? So I knew it was going to get them to want to come in. But this other barrier was there that, especially with that generation, is if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Mm. And that's really what you're fighting, okay? And if there's any kind of uncertainty in people's minds like that, they don't move. So I got lucky in that the early adapters in that community, the ones that were willing to give me a chance to see if it is legit and not too good to be true, meaning the membership plan, who gave me the benefit of the doubt, came in, and I told my team, whatever happens, these people do not have a bad experience. If they're from this community, they do not have a bad experience. So mm-hmm. if they're having a bad experience, you fix it. If they got a problem, you solve it. There is no problem. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because you can't have bad word of mouth from the beginning. I needed them to go back and tell everybody in the community, well, you know, I, I thought that was a catch. I thought that was too good to be true. But, hey, I went. It's a good deal. I like that. So you... You go a little bit above and beyond, right? I mean, you do always do with all the patients, but I mean, yeah. like with, with that like, one in particular, I was hyper-focused. Like, they cannot have a bad experience. Yeah. Or we're dead in the water. And, I, and what happened was now it went from, you know, oh, so here's the thing. So after that first meeting, uh, I talked to my team afterwards and I was like, what did you guys think? How did I do? Did I, did I sound okay? Did, did you think the crowd was into it? And my team was like, oh man, you crushed it. You killed it. I was like, great. Well, how many appointments did we make? None. Well, how many membership plans did they buy? None. And I'm like, in my mind, in that moment, I, f- I thought I failed. Yeah. It's like, well, how did I crush it if nobody bought anything and nobody made an appointment? Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in my mind, that was it. But I didn't realize that was that barrier was still there. The, they wanted to, but they weren't sure yet. So once the early adapters came in and then went back and had good word of mouth reporting to the, to the rest of the community, by month six, half the room are buying the plan on site and the other half are making an appointment to buy it when they got to the office. Okay. So the more I did it, right, you can't just do it once. You need momentum. You got to keep being consistent in doing these. And I only did it once a month, right? We're talking about an hour of my time, hour of my team's time. Of course, you can imagine the return. I wanted to ask you that. Like, how often should we be doing it? And at the same time, what happens if you do? Like, okay, 
I got nobody today. Like there is not one person yeah. to come in to like even word of mouth it. What do we do in that situation? So you got to keep at it. So in essence, you know, marketing is market message medium, right? Mm -hmm. So you, when you know who your target market is, if you put something in front of them, a message of some kind to grab their focus and attention and get them interested in what you're talking about or learning more, and then you use, put that message in the right medium where they're going to get exposed to it and see it, that's the trifecta, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So usually if you're marketing in any medium, in this case, isn't working, then what I'm thinking in that point is I've got the wrong message. The message I'm, what I'm presenting to these people is not resonating. Did I have the sequence of what I said things wrong? Did I leave them feeling sold? So I put all the promotional stuff at the end, mm -hmm. right? So they did feel like I was trying to solicit them or did they leave feeling educated? So did I get the sequence of what I said properly? And is what I'm actually talking about of, of a concern? Do they care? Yeah. Right. Man. Did it resonate with them? And that would be, you know, I give things three times, right? I've given mm -hmm. marketing three months to give me the ROI I'm looking for these grassroots events, I'm going to do it at least three times to see if I can get some kind of traction. Because how it works is, like most things with social proof, the hardest one to get is the first person, right? That is yeah. the absolute hardest person to influence your direction. Yeah. Once I get one, I can influence them to, influ to get another one in. Now I got two. And once I got two, I can influence two more to come in. Now I got four. And once I get four, I can get eight and I can get 16. And then I can keep showing people pictures that are people coming to these events to show the social proof, they're like, well, I didn't go to that one, but it looks like people are going to those things. Oh, so you add the yeah. presentation more yeah. and more. More and more and more. Okay. okay, okay. Because when people aren't doing it themselves, they think, well, if I'm not doing it, nobody is. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're not going to move. But when I show them, oh, actually, a whole lot of people have been coming to these things and coming in and look what they're doing. Maybe I should. Yeah. That's what the social proof is going to do. Gotcha. Okay. What, where do you feel like you made the biggest mistakes with this type of marketing in the past? Um, the timing of them, okay, okay, is really key because a lot of the seniors eat at a different time. So is this a, initially I thought I'm going to do an after dinner thing, but by then, you know, they only stay up so late, right? If it's anything after six o'clock, they don't want to mess with it. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, you know, I, had, I can't do it too early, like at dinner time either, because I did that in one of my communities, actually the one my mom lived in at the time. And I realized like I did it, 30 minutes before their dinner time, even though there was a, like a two hour time dinner was open, they all eat dinner at 530. Mm -hmm. Right. So I do my talk at five thinking, you know, 30 minutes, you know, I'll, I'll hold them 30 minutes past. They can go do dinner. Well, I could tell as soon as the dinner bell rang and basically they saw people walking past to go to dinner in the social community again. Right. That's when they get to see everybody. And I was thinking I could see the look in their eyes and I was like, I've already lost them. They're, they've already mindset shifted from this and they're already thinking about dinner. They're, they're not even here. Okay. And again, I did not get the results I wanted because yeah. of that. Because I was competing with something else that was distracting them. So I backed it up even further for that community. And it's going to be, you know, I did it at four o'clock so that we had more than enough time to get done. They had a couple glasses. Now they were ready to resonate and not be distracted by what I was saying, be yeah. present for it. And then I got the response I, I was looking for afterwards. So the timing of, the, of when you do these things Make sure there's nothing else in the way that you're competing with. So like four, right? Four, four o'clock was good. Uh, Wednesdays were great. Uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not Mondays, not Fridays, mm -hmm. right? People get distracted about stuff on the weekends and they're recovering from the weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, so those were kind of my peak times, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday uh, and four. Nice, man. So I know right now they're going to lunch, but real quick, <laughs> I mean, like, 
I, I, I really I can feel want, the bull. It's like I know, yeah, yeah. I see them going. They look they, hungry. They're giving me a thumbs up. But um, you talked about building your dental, and we're going to transition a little bit right now. Building your dental empire and legacy, mm-hmm. Chris. Man, you own what Golden Goose Scheduling. You own yep. your own practice. You own you're you have a ton of events. I mean, yep. not a ton, but like I think somebody here was it here today this morning. I think somebody just came up to you and was like, "Oh my god, I got some of your books." Or yes, I got two of your. She bu- had two of my books. Yeah. And I was like, "This guy has books. He has all these." <laughs> Legacy. What does that mean? Well, for me, it's, it's leaving a lasting impression on somebody. Okay. That could be in your own practice, uh, having an impact in your community. So, you know, when I had four practices at the time, we always did a day of free dental care every year. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I love patient appreciation parties. We always brought in and celebrated our existing patients uh, at least once a year. Again, because I wanted to build a, a name and a legacy for my practice in that community because nobody did that. Right. So it's just, in my mind, having a lasting impression on something. And so now that I've kind of transitioned out of growing multiple practices and I'm growing multiple dental companies, instead, uh, based off the problems we've all had, I want those companies and the solutions I've created to really solve problems for my colleagues so that I can have a lasting impression on the industry for the betterment for, of us, like our future colleagues. Yeah. Uh, not only today, but those that are becoming tomorrow. I feel like... You've, you've delved in a lot. I like that. I like that you want to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Better everybody a lot. I mean, I mean, who doesn't, right? You want to better them. You sold your practices when? Uh, over the last years. So probably from 2015 to 2018. And right now you're kind of like, you're still practicing, right? Yeah. Like, I'm still seeing patients on Mondays and Tuesdays. But you're like transitioning out or? Yeah. So my goal eventually will be, uh, you know, I don't have to see patients now, but I do just because I've got people that have been with me for 20 years that only want to see me kind of thing. So I kind of relegate my time to them. And, you know, I have a a clinical training institute with the Phelps Institute. So we teach docs how to place implants, provide libations for them. So I still have to be present until I get doctors that want to teach these courses for me. Then I still have to be present to screen the patients, take care of them afterwards and all that kind of good stuff. But my ultimate goal is that, um, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I do best, uh, solving problems and then creating, uh, once I've figured out the solution and really figured it out, if I feel like others will benefit from it, then I'll build a company around it because nobody's better than me to start it right? yeah, and get yeah, it going. Yeah, yeah. And then, but once I get it to where it needs to go, then I can bring in the right people to take it over. And then that frees me up for the next project. Man, so you have, how many, how many businesses does he have? Like Chris's wife is in front of us. He said, it's hard to keep track at this point. Because <laughs> I feel like, let me ask you, when you were practicing and like, you know how, I guess when you do your own practice, you kind of have like that entrepreneur spirit mm-hmm. where you're like, I want to do this. Like, like Ashley, I want to do an event. I want to do yep. all this. Right? Like, when did you see it affect your personal life, either in a positive or negative yep. way? Yeah. And then when did you feel like, what advice would you give that we can put to change? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the, it came to a head for me when, um, when I had the four practices and they were growing at a, an alarming rate in a good way. And I was still doing clinical dentistry five days a week at the time because mm-hmm. uh, the partner structure we had, uh, there was four partners with, uh, together. It was an eat what you kill system, right? So if you weren't at the chair, you didn't eat mm-hmm. if you didn't kill. Mm-hmm. And, but yet I was still doing all these other things, right? Running, making the business decisions for the four practices, doing all the marketing making the marketing decisions for them and dealing with the team and still trying to balance all that with clinical dentistry. I could do it, but it was right around when Amber had, my wife had our second child. And you know, when you have the first kid, you can kind of sleep and they sleep. Yeah. When the second one comes, you can't, right? You're always up no matter what. So she really needed me to be home more and to help out. But I realized in that moment that 
I basically trapped myself in my own business in that I didn't have any margin of time. That's so common. Okay. Yeah. And that's the trap we tend to fall into. Yeah. I was always being reactive because I didn't have time. And that's when I realized I had to make some changes. It, that was not the right way to grow. And the practices were not at their peak performance. So that's when I decided, I mean, they all did well, don't get me wrong, but they could all have done a lot better. So I decided that's when I needed to, as one of my mentors said, buy back my time. And I sold my two best offices and I took over my two worst ones. Hmm. Okay. And eventually, over a three-year period, got my two offices when I changed my mindset from growing for growth's sake to maximizing the capacity of what I had and putting all my efforts into a smaller pie, so to speak. I got those two offices collecting and producing what the four did prior. So working smarter, not harder. Mm. And then when I sold one of those, I got the last practice, one practice doing what the four did. So again, each time I bought back my time, not only did it give me autonomy and free time, but it allowed me time to focus my energies into other things in other areas. So I think that's, and it, that really helped when I, I stopped being reactive and I started budgeting time outside of the chair to just proactively think about what's going on. What problem needs to be solved? What needs a better system? Where can I get better educated? If I don't know the answer, who's the expert I can go to to seek the advice and counsel from? Um, if I need to meet my team, whatever. So I was more proactive in my thinking which allowed me to grow uh, at a, a super fast rate without making as many mistakes as I did when we were reactive. Yeah, man, that's good. I want to ask you so many more questions, but <laughs> yeah. I know you guys are ready to go for lunch. But real quick, you have a persuasion. Yes. So, you know, normally I'm known I've got a two-day persuasion workshop uh, that's for doctors and their teams, ideally. And, of course, the main focus of the workshop is about improving communication. Uh, case acceptance. What are the patients really using in the moments leading up to and the moment they actually make their decision? Mm -hmm. And so we make our strategies around that, not around the excuse we hear if we didn't do that, which is we're too expensive. So it's a way to influence the regardless of the price, uh, more people to say yes. And so ultimately they don't say no, right? They choose the, they stop choosing to do nothing, which is the worst possible thing for both of us. So I've got a lot of requests over the years and that because people can't travel or Maybe it's a, it's a price burden because it's, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars to come to that course and it's worth every penny, right? Mm -hmm. But wanting an online option or an on-demand option. So I now have available a six-hour on-demand condensed version of the two-day. So it's the meat of the meat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No potatoes. No potatoes. Meat, yeah. It's all meat. So, you know, that's, you got to come hungry, of course, yeah. but you're only going to get this one piece of the meat. And it's all geared towards case acceptance. I've got worksheets that go with it. I've got videos of me doing case presentation as if the patient was in front of me, from simple to complex treatment plans based on the structure I teach in the course. And that's available on demand right now. You can check it out or send us an email at chris at drphelpshelps.com and we can send you some information on that. But since in honor of the NAPA event, uh, for anyone that wants that, if they use the code NAPA, uh, they can actually save 300 bucks off. Nice. That's kind of okay. nice. So, so in essence, it's a, it's a way to make the persuasion training more affordable. It's never been a better time and more affordable to actually get the training you need and actually be able to start using it in your practice. And you can digest it on your own time. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So that's, guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. So check it out. And Chris, thank you for being with us on this episode. We're going to go have lunch and, and wine now. Woohoo! I can, I hear, I hear that cork popping down. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.